You're listening to Just Ask the Question, Adventures in Reporting with your host, Brian Karam. Hi, welcome back to Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, and with me today, it's a joy to have Patrick Stone, the lead singer. <laughs> You're going to have to explain the name of the band, but... Oh, gosh. <laughs> I, keep, I, I said Budweiser, but it's, it's Butterside. Yeah. So, but, Kid Rock hates us. Kid Rock, well, there you go. Yeah. So, we'll, we'll have a short break, and when we come back, we'll be talking with Patrick, so stick around. In this modern age of misinformation and deceit, Just Ask the Questions newsletter cuts through the BS and gets to the truth. With Brian's in-depth articles, columns, and exclusive content not released anywhere else. Get the scoop and stay in the know. Sign up for the Just Ask the Question newsletter now at substack.com slash podcast. Hi, welcome back to Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Caraman. With me is the lead singer for Butterside, Patrick Stone. And Patrick, I saw you live the other night. I loved it, by the way. That was it was a it was a great gig. But uh, look, I got a couple of things out of it that I, having listened to the band, I mean, it's uh, you referenced ACDC. So is that one of your influences? Of course, probably the first ever influence. Really, my sister had this record collection, you know, of uh, vinyl. And before I was playing with Tonka trucks or anything like that, I was running into her bedroom and scrolling through her record collection. And the one that stood out to me the most, my most memorable album collection of all time, has always been Highway to Hell with Angus holding his tail in his hand. You know what I mean? And I was just like, what is this? I wanted to be that. So, you know, then you put on the music and you're just like this big rush of all of this stuff that is not supposed, it's not okay. You know, at least when I was a kid, you know, it was just like, rock and roll was like taking this turn to this evil place and you know everybody was starting to chime in on like it's causing suicides and if you play it backwards it's evil and all this other stuff so well, that's yeah, yeah yeah right well all of it you know people are gonna people are gonna i mean who the fuck you're not supposed to listen to it backwards <laughs> you know, what are you doing there's something seriously wrong with you you know what i mean it's like uh, I mean, hey what the fuck yeah. it's yeah, play yeah. it forwards first yeah but, but that but but those uh all of those album covers that she had just really like it opened up this world to me that i was just so curious about well i remember when acdc first came out and i'm, I'm a little older so i was in, the te- in my teens Rolling Stone gave all their first albums bullets that they sucked. They they hated them. But uh, Bon Scott, when it, and on the back of a pickup truck or the back of a flatbed, riding down the street, and, you know, if it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. Yeah. And uh, and my band does that. I mean, and we loved it. I mean, I remember as a kid, there was a girl I dated. She was like, it's the only time. And I was like, yeah, that's. A bit. Yeah. Well, the reason I brought him up that night is because like, I, I, I don't enjoy ballads at a live show. It's like, just, you know, melt my face. Let's go. Let's keep jumping. I want the energy up. You know what I mean? But we have, uh, we have a couple ballads in our arsenal and uh, some of the guys are really proud of the musical side of it. And, uh, you know, that was a, that was a shout out to my father too, who shared, we sh- you know, yesterday he had, uh, eight, December 18th, 2020, he had died. So that was the same days. So we played that song and that's why before we went into it, I always apologize to uh, the crowd because it's like the energy's just flowing and like, <laughs> I want everybody to just, you know, rip their clothes off and start fighting. You know what I mean? I don't know. Right. So, uh, so yeah, the ballads kind of slow it down. So, well, but, but ACDC is just always, you oh. know, they had like what one ballad right on. And that was yeah. still like. It wasn't quite a ballad. It's not like you get sad. You're just like, yeah. Well, I love the words to your ballad, but your ballad was pretty 
pretty up tempo for yeah. a ballad. It for, rocks. Yeah, it yeah. rocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and yeah. I love that. Yeah, not ashamed of it at all. No, no, but, you shouldn't be. Yeah. Uh, but I, I wanted to get into that a little bit. So your dad, how old was your pop when he died? Eighty-two. And he died of COVID. Oh yeah, he did. That's uh, during the pandemic, and that was that was a tough time. I lost friends. Uh, you know, my sons lost a few friends. How did you? How did you take that pain and put it? Because it, it, and you can tell me some of the lyrics if you like, because I listened to it and I got to tell you, it, it was moving to me. You, it was that. it was really really spot on. As a as a songwriter, that's you know that's what you pray for is that people will take the time to actually actually really you know digest everything about the song and the well, words. Head right, that too. Well, you know that motivates you to really actually take a second look and yeah. maybe read the lyrics. You know. Uh, but yeah, uh, we went into the recording session, uh, for the first half of what we've done so far. It's like an eight, basically an eight song, what will be an album, a 12 song album. But, um, the first, the first stint, we did a song called voices and my father had just been, uh, diagnosed and they were throwing him in the hospital as we were recording. So the song voices kind of transferred from one meaning to another, uh, into this thing about the voices in his head and. Uh, it just took on a new meaning as we were recording the song. And then, uh, you know, he, he died after we got out of the studio shortly after that. And then, uh, and then, uh, it was funny. My dad had Alzheimer's towards the end and I had just like, I was, I had put him in one home and then I was going to transfer him to another home. So I had to be up there in Lake Tahoe to kind of make the process happen. And, uh, I pulled over in a parking lot. And I was just so emotional. I was crying my eyes out. You know, it felt like my father was definitely on his way out. And there's just, I mean, at that point, the death and COVID weren't even on the on the table. It was just like, oh my God, like I have to move my dad out of his house and put him somewhere and he doesn't really know where he is. You know, he's, he's starting to really lose it and whatever. Um, so I was just really emotional. And I, I called my guitar player and I was like, man, I'm sitting in the middle of this parking lot. The snow is coming down. And like, can you send me like your, just your most emotional guitar riffs and he sent that to me and i sat there on the phone writing those lyrics then and it was all about you know like it says uh you know into a new chapter dying so brave because he went into this whole thing and and it could have torn apart any human being got them pissed off upset depressed and he just was you know hey yeah i can't remember shit you know what i mean like like this is cool all right i'm fed i'm good you know i've got you know four walls and a roof over my head i'm so grateful i love you like uh the last few years there were just like uh we bonded more than we had in our entire life which was super great because it was because of his heart attack 18 years ago that got me sober you know i made all these promises to god and stuff that if you just saved my father that i'd finally stop being a piece of shit so uh, he saved my father. So I stopped being a piece of shit, you know, <laughs> and I came back to LA to get everything I ever, uh, I ever dreamt of becoming. Um, and at the same time I was, you know, that, that enabled me to actually hold down a job and get some acting gigs and stuff like that. And before I knew it, I was taking him for Christmas vacations in Tahoe and getting cabins and taking care of him. So the whole process of like, just, you know, uh, a family was just reborn, you know, uh, you and close with your dad. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, for, for years I wasn't, you know, when I was in, when I was an addict, my whole family basically shut me up. They hadn't, you know, forsaken me, but like they definitely distanced themselves and, and gave me some tough love because I was a mess. <laughs> 18 years sober. Um, I, I want to get to that too. I, um, there's so much I want to get to, but let's talk about that drug addiction. When did you, how did that, 
what was the pain of that? How did you get into that? How did it how did it affect you? What happened to you? Well, uh, going back to my sister and the whole rock and roll mentality, yeah. you know, uh, one of those covers was the Doors cover, you know, Jim Morrison. And, you know, the more you research Jim Morrison, you're like, wow, okay, in order to be the ultimate rock star, which Jim Morrison was, I think I need some kind of a spiritual education, which I'm not going to get on the streets. I'm not going to get uh, in school. It's going to be in my mind and it's got to be induced by whatever the hell he was taking. So whatever, <laughs> so whatever he was doing, sign me up because yeah. I want to be looked at like that not as a drug addict. And as I get older, it's like, you look back and you go, God, it's such a tragedy. You know, we look right. at this whole thing like, wow, what a, you know, that he would have been, he could have been immortal, you know, for right. years and years and years to come after his death. But, um, but anyway, so like, it was very fascinating to me always. I always knew it was part of the resume that I needed to create for myself. So, uh, you know, my parents would offer, like they, they would have wine cooler parties, you know, and my mom would make the wine coolers herself and they were never afraid to let me have a glass, you know what I mean? And, and I would come downstairs and be this shy little kid, you know, around all of these adults. And, and then I'd have a few sips off the wine cooler and I'd grab the guitar and I'd start playing in front of everybody and they'd all be applauding. And I'd be like, there's something to this shit, you know, right. that loosens you up and makes you forget about all your inhibitions and your insecurities, you know? I mean, and that was, I mean, I was this tall at that time, you know? Uh, so fast forward, you know, I don't know. I think I started smoking pot and drinking regularly with my friends at like 11, 12. And, uh, my sister passed, she committed suicide when I was, when I was 12 years wow. old. So when that happened, uh, there was a lot of, uh, you know, removing myself from the social circle. And like, I just started really not wanting to be at school. Cause a lot of, I mean, it was just, I remember the feeling of coming back to school after all of that happened and all of the eyes on me, you know what I mean? It was like junior high. So like everybody knew everybody and everybody knows your story. I already be gone for a little while. The funeral had happened and here I am walking back into school. And I just remember everybody kind of looking at me and like feeling like they were feeling sorry for me. And like, that's I, like the they one thing you don't well, you know, I mean, you create that yourself, I think, you know, um, and, and everything happens for a reason, you know, it really does. But, uh, but she stole me away from the house the night that she did it the night before she killed herself. She took me, she came into our house. She snuck me out. She took me to the liquor store. She had some yellow Porsche. I don't know where the fuck she got it, <laughs> but she had this, she was wild. My, my sister was a wild, wild, wild thing. She would, she would be gone from the home. You know, she would run over. She was uh, 18, 19, um, yeah, but she would disappear for weeks at a time and she had like a trucker boyfriend and some dude showed up on a motorcycle one day and said he was his, her husband. And like, she was just like, man, my sister's like out of control, but, but she was larger than life. You know, the coolest story I have about her is, uh, um, so she had wanted this, uh, she kept telling her father or my father, my, my dad that, uh, she wanted a, a, a Trans Am like bandits, you know, she wanted, you remember that? that black Trans Am with the big golden uh, firewood on the front of it. No, oh, the one that I had from Smoking the Bandit? Yeah. yeah exactly. You had that one too? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Didn't everybody at one point? I mean, I, I'm indirectly, my father ended up getting one later, exactly like it. They were, it was so sick. And he actually, he had gotten me a Camaro and we would race those things. And he always made sure his was just better to, to beat me, you know? <laughs> I'd try to keep up. But, uh, but one year... Um, he, uh, you know, my, it was her birthday, I think. And, and, and we wake up and she's so excited and, and she runs out into the front yard and, and on, on, there's a bow on top of this car, but it wasn't a Trans Am, it was a Volvo. <laughs> and, uh, and my dad, my dad was like, well, you know, it's safe, you know? And she gets in the car, she jumps in the car. She, she drives like full speed, like down. I remember watching this from the balcony. She drives down 
the street and you hear the car just revving up like as fast as it can go. And then you hear this smash and you're like, what? And she comes walking back up the street. She throws my dad the keys and she goes, you're right. Safest car in the world. She'd wrapped it around a telephone pole. Whoa. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. So, so, uh, so anyway, she probably, yeah. So then she, I mean, uh, she probably ended up with a Trans Am or two or whatever, but she showed up with a Porsche that night and she took me out to, um, to the liquor store and she bought me like my first pack of cigarettes and like she took me to this party and like she she there was all of her friends were running i remember smelling something for the first time Ah. like i was like what is this smell like what is this like i'm smelling and everybody's just happy and partying you know and the rock and rolls on the freaking stereo you remember what it was uh gosh i don't know pink floyd probably or you know i don't know all of that good shit from back then um uh this is the 70s uh no 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 yeah no early 80s yeah 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 mid mid 80s yeah so she uh yeah so then she was like dressing me up like the there's uh you know uh yeah so anyway we we spent this wonderful evening together and then she drops me off like the sun was coming up and she drops me off and uh puts me to bed and then uh you know that next night we uh you know, we got the news, the phone rang and she was at the, the trucker boy bro- boyfriend's house and she'd gotten, uh, she'd gotten upset probably, you know, gosh, you can imagine what's going on if you got three or four boyfriends and a husband as well. Uh, but, uh, Henry. yeah. Um, yeah. So she got, uh, she was like shooting the gun off, like threatening her boyfriend or something. And then she ended up in the bathroom. The cops came and they're beating on the door and she took her own life. I don't know how we spiraled into this whole thing, well, but like, oh, the addiction. The okay, yes. Okay, so well, um, that would do it. I, I would imagine. Right. Well, the thing is, it's like, uh, so then, yeah. So it's like I wanted to be like those people. So I think smoking pot and drinking beer and all of that stuff just came as like the second nature. Although all of my friends, we ended up moving into a house that had uh, three or four stories, four stories, and I had my own floor, and there was the uh, the bar was on my floor. And then I was allowed. Well, that makes it easy. I was allowed to. I was allowed to set up uh, the band, right? Yeah. This was like freshman year of high school, so I had a whole band uh, in my living room, the whole setup, and we would rehearse there every day. So all the kids from school would come over. You know what I mean? I had big bags of pot and lots of alcohol. The whole bar to we we would replace like the the alcohol with coke, and like my dad didn't know the difference, and he didn't really pay too much attention. So I was off and running doing all that so stuff you grew early. Up yeah. So it just progressed and progressed. By the time I got, uh, geez, uh, still long Reader's Digest version, but um, uh, the whole suicide with my, with my, really affected my father. He made some bad decisions. He was a big developer, an entrepreneur. He was a Marine. He was a stunt pilot, you know, but uh, wow. he, he went from being like Superman and, and I just watched him kind of, it just kind of ate away at him, you know? So uh, he made some bad decisions, and before I know it, with a bank, we're taking our house, taking our cars, everything away. We ended up in this little shack uh, in San Jose, and uh, you know, one day my brother and I came home to find that my mom and my dad both left. We didn't know if they were coming back, so uh, we took it upon ourselves to. Well, at least I took it upon myself. I thought, okay, well, I got to contribute to the rent, so I like started getting acid from some dude at at school. And I thought I'd sell this and I'd be able to pay the rent. And I got blotter acid or what? Yeah, the blotter. Yeah, yeah. So it's like a sheet, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Star, Snoopy. What was it? Oh, God. Was it the three-way freaking, uh, gosh, what was it? I don't even remember all of that stuff. It was, you know, we did all that stuff. Oh, yeah. I remember, honestly, I remember in college, we were walking up to the uh, window to pay our fees. 
and my roommate in front of me pulls out what he thought is going to be his, his, you know, money to pay his fees, and out comes a roll of, you know, it looks like at this point postage stamps, but it's Snoopy blotter acid, yeah. and it rolls out onto the floor, and I swear to God, there had to be 30, 40 people diving on the floor. <laughs> He's, that's mine. That's how yeah. I'm paying my bills. Yeah. There was we were a, there. There was a school dance uh, one time, and I'd, I'd never taken acid before, and I'd, I'd just gotten, like, my first couple of hits and i wanted to share it with my friends and it was that night i was going to do i was going to i was going to get to the dance i was going to share it with my friends and we were on a trip and uh and i'm walking I, I grew up in saratoga which is covered in redwood trees that's where they filmed like return of the jedi and shit right it's like all this just just trees everywhere um beautiful little town and we would the, the whole class would meet at uh, a round table pizza uh down down in town and it was i don't know maybe two or three mile walk you know nothing for a kid my age and it's raining, so I'm walking down to the to the dance, and I remember thinking to myself, "Ah, oh, fuck it, I'm just gonna take this shit right now," you know. So I I pop one in, and as I'm finally getting to the pizza parlor, I see all the kids inside, and they're all, you know, who likes who, and you know, all of this stuff just starts spinning through my head about how freaking how full of shit are all these kids and what i'm about to get into and i was like i was like you know what these trees and the rain i put on my headphones i put on a, a delicate sound of thunder pink floyd's record and it starts with the rain you know yeah. and i'm like oh i just turned around and i walked into the trees and i spent my first night tripping to nature yeah that's it, a great way to yeah i've been there and like what better i mean what better way to get turned on by drugs than that it's like <laughs> you know it's just like every everything made sense like all of the questions i had about like how did Jim Morrison ever acquire such a knowledge of like spiritual confidence and like, you know, you could just look into his eyes and I felt like you could just like, he knew everything, you know, you know, you meet some people and you're just like, oh, this, this guy knows something. I just felt like every right. picture of Jim Morrison, he was just like, he could solve anything. You know, he was just the master. Uh, so I felt like I was finally like cracking into that level. Wow. Well, before we go to break and we talk more about acid, uh, let's talk. <laughs> so Jim Morrison was, uh, was in huge yeah huge influence on you real quick question roadhouse blues yeah. do you know when he's singing keep your eyes on the road and your hand upon the wheel you know what he's talking about Tell me. driving down to panga canyon boulevard to a roadhouse that uh burned down i think it was in the 80s that he, you know a lot of the hippies and he hung out and his girlfriend pam he got her a uh bungalow behind the roadhouse and uh, I think there's there's a sign there, but every time I get onto Panga Canyon, I cannot help but think of that song. That's great. Yeah, and that's uh, because you literally, you know, keep your eyes on the road, because it winds through the canyon, and you kind of kind of have to pay attention to driving. Oh yeah, that's great. Thing. I love those factual stories. <laughs> yeah, that's where stuff started. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, we're gonna take a short break, and when we come back. I want to talk a little bit about. Uh, we'll get out of the drugs and talk a little bit about music. So stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, Just Ask the Question podcast listeners. If you've got a second, head on over to Twitter and follow our official page, J-A-T-Q podcast. That's J-A-T-Q podcast. In this modern age of misinformation and deceit, Just Ask the Question's newsletter cuts through the BS and gets to the truth. With Brian's in-depth articles, columns, and exclusive content not found anywhere else. Get the scoop and stay in the know. Sign up for the Just Ask the Question newsletter now at substack.com slash J-A-T-Q podcast. Hi, we're back. It's Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Kerman. With me, Patrick Stone. Uh, and, and, all right, so how did, I'll, I'll start with this. 
How did you come up with the name of the band? Um, trying really hard to Butter come up. Right. Trying hard, really hard to come up with other names. Uh, just felt really cliche to me. I always felt like I was trying too hard. I felt like a, a name that really had some kind of a definition behind it was going to pigeonhole the band. You know, it might not be the right genre. At the time I was writing music, like if you listen to the first album, it's really eclectic. Like Oasis. One song's... Uh, John Lennon. It sounds like you have a lot of influence in that. Thank you. Yeah, very, very much so. And I didn't really know the direction I was going to go with it yet. You know what I mean? So it was like it needed a name. Um, you know, it was kind of something that came from a... Uh, it was like a, an improv jam that we had. And I think I used it as a lyric, you know, and then we listened back and it was like, what the fuck did I just say? Um, and then, you know, as I get farther and farther along, you know, I've been in different other, you know, other bands that were definitely named something like, you know, I mean, uh, shout out to my buddy, uh, Alan Steelgrave was in a band called Steelgrave. You know what I mean? It's like, you know exactly what you're going to get from that. So if like, uh, you know, you're skimming through artists or, or you're at the record store and you see that name and you're not into that kind of music, you might pass that by. So like I was trying to come up with a name that just didn't attach to anything, cool. you know? So uh, there was a, a moment of clarity when like the, 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 the Foo Fighters came out with their first record, you know? Right. And I'm like, what the fuck is a Foo Fighter? What is I can tell you what a Foo Fighter is. It's, it's some kind of alien uh, attack force, right? Like, it, a, like a, from in the 1940s during World War II, right. When uh, our pilots, and we didn't have an Air Force, it was Army of Aviators, would see what they thought were, were UFOs. They called them Foo Fighters, and that's, that's how they got that name. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, so I did find that out after a while. But I remember when I first heard the name, I was just like, this is, you got to be, this is like social suicide to, to name your band, <laughs> something like this. And then I'm like, well, he is the guy from Nirvana. All right, let's, let's put it on. And when I put it on, it was like, holy shit. It's like all of a sudden the name Foo Fighters was the coolest thing I'd ever heard. Yeah. And that's kind of like where I'm hoping that the name will, uh, and it's worked. You know, it's funny because uh, the band li became legitimate literally only in like 2015. Um, I Lemmy had, signed you. Right. Yeah. So I, yeah. I had I had roadied for Lemmy uh, with Motorhead and Phil Campbell and traveled all over the freaking place, you know, tuning their guitars and whatever else they had me doing. <laughs> uh, there's, there's tons of other stories. Beautiful, well, we'll wonderful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you um, can tell me your favorite one. With it. Yeah, but he always, he was always encouraging me, telling me that, you know, I belong on stage, not behind it. And, uh, you know, then I got clean and sober. Lemmy told you that. Yeah, always, yeah. And you weren't clean and sober when you joined. Oh, hell no. Hell no. You don't, you, <laughs> in order to be a part of the Motorhead Road Crew, you probably, like... I don't know if they tested me to do it, but like I'd stayed up for 14 days. I think that's that one point, you know, that was a long time. And I was like, yeah, I'm definitely qualified for this job <laughs> <laughs> because you got to be able to keep up with the big dogs. That was yeah. one of the phrases. It's like, uh, it's hardcore. You know, they're just, they're, they're so freaking hardcore. Um, and it was fun to try to keep up. But, but the thing is, is that I am not like Lem. Lem, Lem was, uh, Lem could intake, I mean, an entire pharmacy in one gulp, you know what I mean? And he maintained his intelligence, his couth, his cool. He was just always a pleasure to talk to. He never was, you know, he, I don't think I ever heard him say something that didn't sound intelligent or kind, you know, but I was the dude that was like, you know, tripping, you know, I was, I was the dude that stopped speaking English. I was the dude that like, if I sat down next to you, you were going to have a hard time getting through the moment. Cause I was like, you know, just like, 
a mess, you know, cause I loved that. I loved, I love to be like, like, again, starting with the acid and Jim Morrison and like this sense of your mind being opened up, getting years and years ahead, uh, getting really addicted to hard substances and slam and dope. Um, I started to get really, uh, I just, I love to like, I felt like the more out of control, I, I didn't want to be in control anymore. Right. I felt like a, maybe a huge part of me was pretty, pretty confident that. Uh, so when your dad had a heart attack, that's when you decided that enough's enough. Right. But back to the Lemmy thing, uh, he saw me doing this and he just had no problem with it. You know, he just kind of maybe thought it was funny or, you know, he still loved me. Like I was a good guy. Like we hung out, we listened to music. Um, you know, you name it, we did it. We, we would write lyrics together. Hell, he helped me, he, you know, every time he had a, something written, I remember the Black Magic album, he was sharing lyrics with me constantly and like asking me to like, you know, what would I say here and stuff like that. I'm, you know, some of it might've ended up on the record, which was, uh, which was crazy. But when I got sober, um, I started, you know, I, I was sober. So all of a sudden opportunities and stuff that I didn't see before were jumping out at me, you know, singing for major bands and getting opportunities to do all these kind of cool things. And I, I landed a few, including singing for Steven Adler from Guns N' Roses, who was one of my superheroes. But, um, but after a while, you know, even your superheroes, not that he failed me at all. I loved him to death, but like he started making decisions that turned the band left or right, or didn't, didn't conserve, you know, I wasn't part of the equation. So I started complaining a little bit and Lem was one of the guys and, and Todd Singerman, our manager, uh, Lem's manager, they were always on the phone with me, encouraging me, man, why are you fucking around doing this? You know, you want to do your band, do your band. Right. We're behind you. So then I finally made the decision. I'm going to do Butterside. And when I told Lem the name, he was like, I like that fucking name. You know, I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, if, well, it's, that does it. if it's good enough for him, it's good it's enough good. for me. And then uh, more proof in the pudding. Katie Babs had never heard of us. She's the, you know, the DJ on Octane and probably one of the coolest chicks alive. And the first time she heard the name, she was on air, you know, she was on air on this TV show. And she goes, Butterside, I fucking love this name. And she started chatting like, Butterside, Butterside, Butterside. She'd say it three times every time it came up. And I was like, I mean, Did you appear like Beetlejuice if you said it three that's, times? Yeah, let's hope so, right? <laughs> let's a, hope so, yeah. Well, yeah. My, my question for you is, um, in reading an interview with you recently, you said um, you have a lot of acoustic artists. You love a lot of acoustic artists. Sure. Who? among them going back like songwriting is my ultimate love so like uh i had a girlfriend in in high school that introduced me to the indigo girls oh, yeah. and it's just like the harmonies and like the words it was just like wow like that johnny cash you know what i mean oh. if the guy can if you can Ring break fire if you can break a song down to an acoustic guitar and a singer and connect to your audience then you've got it whatever that thing is that we're all looking for if you can do that you've got it that's what i consider stones it. beatles any of that influence you sure of course you couldn't help it i mean you try at being who i was i felt like i tried so hard to keep it at a distance but you still memorized every lyric because you heard it so often you know what i mean and then you couldn't help it like you put on a record and you listen to the hit song and then following that's like a deep cut and you're like well this is even cooler than the shit that's on the radio you know well that's Look, as one of the things I, I say when people ask me, what's the appeal to music? And when you get up on stage and look, I, I play in a pub band, but you know, we, and we do, I, I like, I'm not as heavy energy as yours. I mean, calling it headbanging would be, you know, I hope that wouldn't insult you, but it's hard rock. It's heavy metal. And I mean, I play hard rock. There's something about being up on stage, the, the purity of emotion. I don't know that I can adequately explain it to anyone who hasn't been there and done it. But you know what I'm talking about. There is a moment of freedom 
when you're in front of an audience and you're exposing yourself, I don't think there's anything pure on the planet. Right. So with your group, do you do a lot of original stuff too? We have about five or six originals that we do. That's great. That's great to hear that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that's where you finally really connect with yourself oh, and your soul. Yes. And, yeah. And I mean, well, I write. And so it, to me, the, the penning of lyrics, I, there was another thing that you said you like to write. You want your lyrics to be like poetry. I can't, I, I, I agree. I mean, sometimes I, I, and as a writer, when I listen to some lyrics, I go, you're, you're just repeating one line. I'm driving down the road. I'm driving down the road. Well, what else are you doing? <laughs> what the hell are you driving down the road for? Right. What, what's what's the emotion behind it? Right. And it's got to be more to me than just the. And I lo- look, I love any music that has a guitar solo, <laughs> for example. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I mean, and you're, by the way, your guitar players, I, I, he was right. Oh, you all were in the pocket, by the way. I mean, the real. I, I think I told you the night I saw you. It's from hearing the bass player. If the bass player and the drummer are in sync, yeah, the singer has it's much easier for the singer yeah. than when they're not. Yeah, I've <clears> got <throat> the best band on the planet. Um, I'm just tight. trying to keep up with those dudes. It was tight as hell, and and high energy, which I love. When I get you out on stage, I want you to spend, you know, the set that we do. Are you know, you're in a pub, you're shoot, you're you're doing basically three sets, but that second set, high energy, twelve songs. You're going to dance from the time you get or beat the shit out of each other or whatever you're going to right. do. I'm not slowing down. I'm going to speed up. It starts at high speed and it ends up at warp speed. Right. And that's uh, so when you there was another thing I read in an interview where you said you like to drive down the road real fast at three o'clock in the morning and write your lyrics. Oh, yeah. I was right there. <laughs> I was like, I know exactly what the hell you're talking about. Yeah. But you tell me, what's that like? Yeah, it's just trying to be as honest and uh, you know vulnerable as possible, you know, because when you hell if I can, it's nothing worse than recording something and then you listen back and you know you put you had the time, you had the equipment, you had whoever the engineer, the producer, whatever, and it's like if you you gave them bullshit, it, it just it feels like bullshit to you, you know. Right. Uh, but that's never happened to me. <laughs> no, uh, no, yeah, it's like. Um, um, songwriting's funny for me because people want to get together like, hey, let's get you to write a song or whatever, you know, and you're like, oh, okay, you know. And it's like, I'm sitting there preying on, you know, I wait for that. It has to hit me. Like, something has to be on my heart. Uh, something has to be just weighing really heavily on me. Uh, there has to be something very profound about the lesson that's going along with it. I have to see some kind of clarity. There's got to be something that I connect with that, like, I really, you know, I hate listening to a song where the guy's not in it or he's not telling you like you just said. Like, you know, it's just like, get me out of here, man. Like, what do you like? I came to be taught something, you know, not, you know, cool. You got a great sound, whatever. But that usually they go hand in hand. You know what I mean? A great band always wants to have an incredible lyricist and front man and or sometimes, you know, but uh, high energy. One of the things I like about watching you is you're into the music. You get the audience into the music. And your band is into the music. And then, but the tie together, I I can't tell you a number of bands I've seen, big bands, you know, big names too. I just wasn't into them because it, they were like phoning in the performance or the lyrics sucked or the, but when it all comes together, there's really something really kind of nice about that, that you, that you can't get anywhere else. And so thank you for that. Hell yeah. Um, 
Yeah, there's a, uh, you know, when we go into the studio now, it's like, I, I think a big, a big, you know, trying to, again, being uh, clean and everything allows me to really be honest about how I feel about what I'm going through in life. So uh, it also enables me to remember a lot of things that I wasn't able to when I was high or whatever, right? Well, it was Thursday. Yeah, that was three days ago. What? Yeah, what? Yeah. what? What? I missed something? So then, like, the whole writing process uh, with my band members, it's like we all go to each other to share something that we've been coming up with. Um, and then I'll try to find, you know, a riff or something that, that touches the feeling of the story that is, you know, going on with me, whether it's a breakup or you know, whatever, anything. So, uh, you know, we kind of go into the studio. A lot of times I leave it a little open ended so that there's room to really knuckle in the truth. Cause if I take time to write lyrics and really spread it out, you know what I mean? I find like I'm trying to say something to look cool or, right. you know, trying to, I don't know. It's like, if I just blurt it out, you know, and say it like it is, you know, sometimes it doesn't even matter if it rhymes. It's just cooler that way. Yeah. I'm just really honest about it. Well, the honesty is something that you just, I, I, you can't, fake that you can well if you can fake honesty then you got it made right. that's yeah. as uh i think it was rodney said but that's that's not the thing it is being honest with yourself yeah. before we go to break let me ask you this your favorite story do you have a favorite story from the road <sighs> uh favorite story from the road gosh um a few motorhead stories pop up but they are definitely triple x quadruple x rated all right now look man i've i've interviewed for example, there was a great story I was told about the Who and Keith Moon inviting someone into his room, and he had three women bent over a bar, all of them naked, offering his friend to taste test them. So if you've got, that's where you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to be worse than that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's been all types of debauchery. I mean, everything you can imagine happening on a tour bus, I've seen happen, and uh, you know. Uh, uh you know there's been you know there's been women that have you know shot snacks out of their snatches there's been women that have uh you know that have been left behind you know after being whacked with an underwear full of uh feces there's been um there's been so rock and roll debauchery uh, you know just you name it i mean uh there's been you know there's been times where the entire you know uh we had this we had this uh motorhome that we'd bought like a couple weeks before the tour and two weeks into the tour the front drive shaft shot out the bottom and like the whole thing exploded the pipeline and for the for the uh, propane was just leaking like crazy we had to pull over and ditch that thing and get into a van and we still made it to the next show those are like uh oh gosh there's just there's so many there's just <laughs> that, that stand out you know gosh like a the one favorite moment i mean there's nothing like playing into uh, in front of a big crowd i think my favorite moment list this last year was doing the danny wimmer uh festival welcome to rockville and like i've never had a crowd really sing my lyrics back to me but uh, this uh tv show that we got involved with uh we wrote the power hour theme song for this access tv countdown show and uh, it's all part of the Danny Wimmer Foundation. So it's like the song was kind of blaring on all speakers in between every set of every band, including Tool and freaking, you know, Slipknot and everybody else that was playing. It was just like we were a presence. So by the time we sang this song, I just asked them to sing along. And it was the first time that like, you know, that's kind of cool Four to 6,000 people were, you know, chanting lyrics to our songs. Yeah. Welcome to Rock De Daytona Speedway. You know? Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll have a lot more, so stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, you. 
Yeah, you. We're talking to you, and we need your help. As you probably know, independent journalism is a vital pillar of our democracy. Like everything else, it's not free. We're asking all longtime listeners of the show to help support us by becoming a member on Patreon. For the price of a latte, you can help guard democracy. Join us today at patreon.com slash JATQ podcast to help us keep bringing you the podcast you love and the facts you deserve. Hi, we're back. It's Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Caraman. We're talking rock and roll debauchery with, with Patrick Stone from Butterside. And Pat, I guess, I, you know, one of the things I remember growing up, and I, I heard it in your lyrics, the personal stuff, you know, is always easier to relate to you know like the personal pain of love breakup violence romance all of it the politics is a little different and you know the i remember you know like uh this is during you know woodstock and stuff and you know they're, they're going you know hey, the man's out to get us wrong now we can't decide who the man is is it harder to write politically uh, uh, uh political lyrics today than back then or we just stay away from it. It's hard to, isn't it? Yeah. Not- well, actually, I mean, at this point, maybe a couple of years ago, it was like so tempting, you know. Uh, and I watched like this icon of a dude whose name's Tommy Vex, poor guy. Uh, and some people will be upset with me even for having any sympathy for him. But the guy got really, you know, verbal about his beliefs and, and they canceled his ass because he was on the wrong side of, you know, whatever well, cancel. That's, the agenda that- was. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. Do you... You know, I, I remember there's a comic, uh, uh, Bill Burr, who is just... Love a, him. Yeah. He <laughs> plays a mean set of drums. We did a... Yes, I, I want to get him up to play with me sometime. He played but, with us, yeah. Yeah. But he, you know, it's like, uh, he, he got in trouble on Jimmy Kimmel's show recently because he said... Uh, Trump or or Biden, he goes, you know, I hope they both die in their sleep and we just have younger leadership. I can agree with that. I'm sorry. Yeah, I can. No, I don't. There are a lot of people that agree it's, with that. Yeah. It's, it's it's like the South Park episode. Douche and freaking <laughs> shit sandwich. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Or curd sandwich or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I try to stay away from it. Also because I just, I really don't believe I, I have, like you have an inside view of it like you actually have a right to have an opinion or you know speak up about what's really going on i feel like the you know the public and if you're trying to get politics from your phone on instagram you are completely fucked because we don't know the real story so all all i can do is like try to be a good person and like get through this until like you know the critical mass shifts of well yeah i mean you know even way before COVID and stuff like that, it was just like I would post things that I thought were funny that some politician was saying. And then it's like all of a sudden you're on that guy's side or like people start to perceive that like you're you you're 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 for this person. And it's just like I don't I couldn't even tell you who the fuck I'm for anymore. Like I'm I'm confused as to whether or not I should actually vote. Like, does it get counted? Like, does it but this is all very, very, you know, I, I mean, I will only because it's like your last ditch effort to like kind of have. First of all, you can't bitch if you don't. If you don't, exactly. if you don't vote, you have no right to talk about it. Um, But honestly, like. It's me voting for my favorite television show because I'm sick and I'm sick and tired of watching the one we're watching, even though I try not to watch it. But if I tune into Biden, it's like, why? You know, if, if you'd put a freaking, you know, oh, gosh, don't. Maybe. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> but it's like, well, the know. cancelization is what I, for example, I put the, the name of this show is called Just Ask the Question. Right. So I, 
I started out with a question. Recently, I started out with a question. And so I said, how dare you ask that question? And I'm going, well, that's the premise of the freaking show. You're against someone if you ask them a question. And uh, no, I'm just ask. It's the question is never what gets you in trouble. It's the answer. Sure. And I always go back to there was a a great, you know, and it it was Helen Thomas who said, and I told you what she said to me about just asking questions. And but there was a very infamous thing that happened in the White House before my time. Guy was fresh off the choo choo, brand new reporter was covering the first lady. First lady is Betty Ford. They're standing in the east room uh, or in the east wing. And the reporters are gathered around, and the young reporter asked her, "Did your have your kids ever smoked pot?" And all the other reporters are going, "That's the stupidest fucking question! Well, how dare you? You can't ask that question!" Right up until the moment where Betty Ford said yes, and then he was brilliant because he asked the question. Well, that's it. Yeah, it's it's never the questions to me, and so when people go. You should be canceled for answering that question. I usually say, fuck you, because the bottom line is, is I'm asking a question. What's your answer? Right. There's no stupid questions, only stupid answers. And I've heard a lot of what were called stupid questions. And believe me, I hear them all the time in the White House. <laughs> so there's some really stupid, qu- but it's the answers that matter. So yeah. if I were to write a political song, I think it would definitely probably be you know, like I remember Ronald Reagan, like, you know, it was like a cowboy. He was like freaking John Wayne, you know, at the freaking, you know, captain of the ship, you know, it felt like, man, this guy, somebody can get behind, you know what I mean? And even Bill Clinton, and as a man and fucking shoot me down for it, you know what I mean? Even at the end, when he got in trouble for everything he did, you know, no, I, I, you know, I'll get canceled because our new generation is just so anti anything that's like sexist, you know, but, uh, but up until the point that he got in trouble and kicked out of office, you know, he was he was somebody you could look up to. He was charismatic. You know what I mean? When you you, you would watch the news just he was because, effective. you know, it was like, this is what represents America. These are the decisions we're making like them or not. But this guy's got a way to kind of let you feel good about what we're doing as an American, you know. And uh, I did not have yeah. sexual relations yeah. with that woman. And maybe he's a bad example. But no, going, no, but no, going he, back to Reagan or somebody humans. like that, well, it's just like Reagan had his problems he, too. He did, but as a but kid, I'll tell you my Reagan story. Yeah. My, my first day <laughs> in the White House after I'd met Sam Donaldson and Helen Thomas, we walked upstairs into the upper press, and Helen started banging on the door, telling Larry Speaks, the deputy press secretary, "Get your ass out here and talk to us right now, Larry." If I did that today, I'd lose my press pass. They they go you know they go nuts. Secret Service came through a few minutes later and said, "Hey, we have to leave." The President of the United States, Reagan, was going to walk from his office in the Oval over to talk to Larry, so we had to leave. So Helen and and Sam turn and they leave. I turn, twenty four years old. I turn. I tripped over my own fucking feet. I'm on the floor on my knees, and I turn and i half expect to see a secret service agent ready to pummel me into the dirt i turn around and it's ronald reagan and he looks down at me and goes well young fella you don't have to bow in front of me oh, <laughs> and that's how i met him <laughs> and so that kind of look i politics aside and i always try to put politics aside when i talk about them as people I, there are very few of them that I've met that at some point in time, my, my, my thing is, would you invite them over to your house for a barbecue? Exactly. Exactly. That's what I want to know about my yeah. president. Yeah. yeah. And that's, 
the, the thing that we seem to forget, we go, um, there's a nuance to every president and there's a nuance to policy. And there's, it, it's, I kind of liken it to a good rock song. There's nuance to what you do. People will go, well, they're just headbangers. Listen to the lyrics. Look at the, look at the guitar player or the drums. I mean, there's a, you know, people would say like the Beatles, very simple to play. No, they're not. They're deceptively simple. They make it sound simple. They right. make it sound easy. Yeah. The stones are easy to play. I, I got I got three chords. I'm in. But you know the, the nuance to some of that stuff, and that's the same with politics. But we don't have room in our lives for nuance, so it's really kind of hard as a reporter in a two minute piece or even in a fifteen hundred word column to express that nuance. It takes this type of format to do it, and it's hard for people to understand. Um, so that's, that's my preach on that. But all of that being said, I, 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 I'm fascinated by people who can turn politics into a lyric that you can listen to and boil it down to the essence of humanity. The same with personal relationships, the same with something that happens to, that's why the most, well, Joker, that's, yeah, I love that song. But the and the song that uh, uh, Brennan did, my, my son Brennan, the producer, uh, who did the uh, Superstar. yeah yeah, who did the uh, the video for that the song that's being released, we're gonna we're gonna probably release this about the same time as the video. Awesome. So best video ever. Yeah, it's it's cool video. Brennan's a genius. Yeah, yes, my son is a genius. And um, and the song about your dad, that's what really i mean i was almost in tears listening to that because i listen for the lyrics like i said bringing us all back to to where it's where it comes from communication is touching someone their soul yeah well you know i was bawling when i when i, when I sang it when i recorded that and like everybody the whole band was you know they were in the, the studio window watching and everybody was just turned you know it's like that's what we want to do is we want to really feel you know you want to feel it and it's got to be real but you know going back to the politics thing it's like uh you know, music runs the world, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and we all ignore, like we all, we all let ourselves get brainwashed into thinking otherwise. That's why COVID was so difficult because all the festivals stopped, the concerts stopped. Um, people, I believe, are completely motivated and the world changes as our music evolves. And we're all brought into these communities, whether it's festivals or concerts or whatever, and we feel this stuff together. And we're looking up to the people that are actually saying something that means something to us. Yeah. Not like a politician trying to say what we need to hear to get them to get the money to yeah, blow this that's... fucking place up and make themselves rich and further themselves farther away from us and leave us back far behind. Um, so there was like this, you know, that was the hardest thing for the world, I think, was, uh, you know, we, we heal at concerts. We we heal with music. We together. we learn from, you know, all of this outpouring of creativity, and it really leads the world. Why do you think, you know, all of these huge rock stars get, they just disappear for some reason? Yeah. Because they're leading people in a direction that does not go along with the agenda. Well... If you're talking about healing and bringing people together, I have seen people of a wide variety of faiths, beliefs, religions, uh, political, but you put them together in a concert. And if they all like the music, man, nobody's looking at each other going, 
well, you're a Trump fan. Oh, you're a Biden fan. They're like, they're just inviting. They're yeah. in, and there needs to be more of that. Yeah. That's, that's music does bring. And there, you know, there, together. there really is. A, there's a big stigma. Rock is dead. It's been, they've been, people have been trying to say that for years. I've been hearing that for 20 years. But the festivals are bigger than they've ever been. The fan base is larger than it could, anybody ever imagined it could be. There are so many bands out there crushing it, telling their truths. People are going out to see them. Um, you know, we're just manipulated and brainwashed by the media to believe that like somebody else is actually in control of us. They're not, you know, we're in control of ourselves and music helps. Oh, what a beautiful message. That's that. <laughs> no, that's true. And I can't tell you the number of times I've had that argument with members of my own profession. What are you listening to this shit for? That's not, you know, that's not reality. Yeah. Oh yeah. Rock is dead. I go, do you play in a band? Well, you're, you know, you're just playing in a pub. I'm going, Yeah. But there's three or four hundred people in this goddamn venue, and they're all enjoying themselves. And we're not the only band on the planet, right. you know. It's I mean, there are people who still and and you hear it, and it's not just about music, but you hear all the time about how this is that way or that is the other, and and it has no. I I always tell people trust what you see with your own eyes as a witness first. Yeah. One of the things that we don't do well in our business, and you're right about the media, is look we. We don't do well about telling people what it is that we see. The best thing that we have is a seat at the table. And what I think, if I write it, look, first of all, I don't, when I was running newspapers, I wouldn't let people, you know, write columns until they had 10 years experience. And by then, I hope you're working somewhere else. But I don't give a shit. I, I would tell reporters that would come up to me, this is what I think. And I go, I don't give a shit what you think. I barely care what I think. What do you know? Tell me what you see, what you and, and some of the best rock lyrics I've ever heard follow almost that exact same thing. It's it's like this is what I've seen and this is what it means to me. But it's you know living is easy with eyes closed, misunderstanding all you see. Uh, that to me is is like whoa, there is a truth, and it's based on fact. And that so the I mean if you want to talk, I I don't want to quote your lyrics and insult you, but. What you, I really do go back to that song about your dad and it's, it's what you went through and what you said in those lyrics. I, I'm telling you, I was almost in tears and that's, that's, that's when I know you've touched someone is when he brings that emotion. I mean, it's everything who I am and that's everything I learned from him. I try to kind of just kind of, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful one. Every time I sing it, I get all choked up, you know, fear is my own design, you know, like. Beautiful. We create that ourselves, you know. Yeah. Everything you fear is just like it doesn't exist. It's not real, man. See, Break what, on through to the other side. Yeah, man. try to run, you know? try to hide. Yeah. <laughs> Again, that's the entire reason why I got into drugs in the first place was just to like leave all the shit that worries you and consumes you day to day, like all the menial shit, you know, and, and like get to the profound. So as we close, let me ask you this. What is the most profound truth you'd like your listeners or the people listening to this podcast, what would you like them to learn? Um, I'll probably, what's been heavy on my mind lately is, uh, I think I'm quoting David Bowie and that is, uh, uh, and I'm living in this actual, uh, statement myself right now. And it's the first time I have, I'm usually the guy that pads my bank account and then makes decisions on how much I can afford to do. <laughs> and now I'm sitting upon, you know, Brennan's video that he did for us. And it's the sickest thing. That, I mean, it's a freaking a masterpiece and uh you know now i'm at a i'm at a point now where it's going to take a lot more than i have uh to to get everything done so 
so I guess the, the, the thing I'd like to say is just uh, live, be, be uncomfortable, make that decision that puts you in a space where you're just completely out of your element and scared and afraid because that's where you should be because that's where you're going to grow. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how everything turns out way better than I ever could have possibly dreamed it would or expected it to uh, over the next four months because uh, if it happens at all, if it happens at all, it will have meant that everything I've ever lived for was meant to be. And I'm finally in my purpose because it's going to take more than myself to manifest this, this whole plan, this whole dream. That is Bowie. Go in the water, wade into the ocean till it's just over your head and you feel uncomfortable. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Cool. Yeah. That's a great way to end. Well, listen, uh, Patrick, a lot of fun. I have to have you back Thanks just so we can talk me. about rock and roll debauchery <laughs> because there's like, nothing like rock and roll debauchery. I mean, that's a whole up. Ep- yeah. I don't know, man, can we, we should do, we should do one called anonymous. I'll be happy to tell you all my stories because they are so good. Well, but and then yeah, I'll tell you mine. my name on it. <laughs> yeah, that's a, we'll do that. Well, listen, thanks for joining us. The show is just ask the question. I am your host, Brian. Kier. What would you like to plug before we get out? Plug, uh, plug. Just uh, check us out. Uh, Butterside, B-U-D-D-E-R-S-I-D-E. Um, we'll be having a new single coming out. Uh, the the video is directed by Brennan right here. Uh, it's going to be sick. Uh, just yeah, follow us on Instagram. Our link tree has everything uh, connected to YouTube and Spotify and everything else. Please just give us a shot. Uh, don't let the name fool you. Put on some headphones and take a walk on the butter side. Yeah, uh, take a walk on the butter side. And with that, this is Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you next time.